podcast. This podcast is a, is a commodity update. So unlike the previous podcast where we just had a long-form conversation, this will just be a relatively short update on what is happening in the market. We we want to avoid just talking about you know the numbers. You know, world is up five percent, cattle's down two percent. It largely doesn't really mean anything unless it's put into some form of context. What we want to do is provide what are the key factors in each of the markets at the moment. We'll really be concentrating on the big things that are happening and then just giving a bit of a summary. So we'll start off with with livestock, uh, with, with Matt, and also we'll then go on to, to Robert to discuss the wool industry. And then at the end, we'll cover the most important commodity, which is obviously grains. So we'll now switch over to Matt, who will discuss the livestock market. Well, the big uh, story at the moment uh, with regards to livestock markets comes out of the, the cattle market, really, in these um, floods we've, we've been seeing in the north and, and the outcome of um, those floods in particular and, and, and the impact it's had on, on those that part of the northern herd. Um, it's still estimates at this stage, uh, I guess, and there's not been a, a formal uh, reporting of what's been lost there, but uh, it has ranged from 100,000 head to 500,000 head of, of cattle loss and some reports coming off the ground as well from, from reporters and uh, and uh, farmers up there uh, have also said that, that the conditions, it hadn't just been the flood that, that uh, animals have been lost in but then obviously the um, exposure post the flood and animals have been trapped have also then um, deteriorated and, and died from that as well. So um, you know, there's been an ongoing uh, issue there, not just around why the water was falling, but also the recovery process. Um, so I guess looking at that, and, and, and a lot of people are saying, what's the impact of that going to be as we move forward for cattle markets in Australia? Um, certainly for that for that particular region, it's um, it's quite problematic. You're talking around the 15 percent of the uh, of, of that part of the um, herd in that area has has been lost. If if the estimates of 500,000 uh, are proven correct, and that's a significant blow um, if the numbers are that are that big for that area. Um, however, if you take a broader look at the whole of the country. Uh, you know, you're really looking at around 2% of the overall herd, uh, which, which is still, look, they're significant numbers, but in the overall scheme of things, um, you know, is it going to make a significant impact to price uh, across the whole of the eastern seaboard in terms of cattle? And it probably won't uh, in any significant way. And I, I contrast it back to um, what happened a few years back in the dairy industry uh, when, we, when we saw the, uh, the issues with regard to the milk price and quite a lot of Victorian uh, dairy farms and also farms in other areas, but obviously... 60% of the, the dairy industry is in Victoria, so the the big uh, impact was in, in some of those farms. There was a lot of farmers there that uh, either got out of the industry totally or, or certainly significantly reduced their their um, stock of cattle. Um, and so you know, there was a time there where it was reported you know, into the hundreds of thousands of, 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 um, of cows are being brought through uh, to sale yards in Victoria, and, and there was a concern that is this going to depress prices? And... Um, if you look at it in isolation, yeah, sure, we saw a handful of sale yards like Colac or Camperdown, you know, out in the um, Gippsland region in and uh, around Leangatha, where where um, there was a lot of cows through, and for a short period of time, it depressed prices. But when you looked at the overall impact across the Victorian markets, there was a negligible uh, influence of those of that extra supply, and I suspect it's going to be the same thing with this northern herd, even if those uh, cattle are up around the 500,000 head lost. 
it's it's probably going to have a, an impact in, at that regional level, um, and and certainly while they try and, and uh, restock, there'll be some increase in prices at some of those markets around that vicinity. But in terms of the impact across the overall Queensland market, or indeed the overall market uh, across the whole of the eastern seaboard, it's probably going to be a minimal price impact. Um, from that perspective, you, you're probably thinking that uh, what kind of a break we see this year in terms of a an autumn break and a winter rainfall period into the south, uh, if we get a good one, that's probably have, have a much bigger impact on prices uh, in cattle markets than anything that's going to come out of those northern regions that have been affected by the flood. It's now time to turn over to Robert, who will provide us his update on what is happening in the wool market. Well, the story about wool is a classic market story, actually. It's about supply and price, and, and that's the headline front and centre. So supply has been getting tighter, especially this year, and I'll talk about that in a minute, and prices are very high, and I'll talk about that a bit more in, the, in a minute. The back story to all that is, though, What's the relationship there and what's causing this market to do what it's doing? And Andrew Woods, uh, last week I think it was, put out an article and he identified that 85% of the increase in price we're seeing, especially in the uh, in the medium wools, can be attributed back to the 21 micron ratio to cotton and that explains the price rise. So while we're get, seeing markets at, um, at all-time highs, in fact all micron indicators for merino wool are at 90% or higher. So for 90% of the last decade, the price have been lower than what they are. At the same time, we're seeing growers pass in wool still. And I just noted today that um, in the early report, 10% of the wool, so one bale in 10, was actually being passed in under the growers reserve. And that's at a time, as I said, when prices are high. In fact, 22 micron indicator is at its highest price ever. Now, relating back to supply, well, this season we're running 7,000 bales per week fewer than for the same time for this year, uh, for the last season, and that tallies up to about 190,000 bales less for the season. Um, last week, uh, the average of all wool sold was $2,215 a bale. Now, this, these are levels that we haven't seen in my time in the wool industry. In fact, if you just focus on the merino types, it's about $3,000 a bale. So, so an average merino clip that comes in is worth $3,000 or more per bale. These are great uh, prices. What does it all mean? Well, one of the things we should remember is that this is concerning buyers. Buyers are concerned about supply. They're concerned about where the wool is going to come from in the future. Um, we don't have stocks. So you know, it's a long way back to when we had a wool stockpile. So if you're a mill and you're planning for the future, you'd be thinking about what impacts that going to happen. What's that impact is that going to have on your business going to the future? This is really a seller's market, and I think if we talk about the buyers, one of the things is it doesn't matter how much higher they bid or how much higher they bid above the next uh, buyer, it won't generate any additional wool. So what's that mean for wool growers? Well, in my view, you should be selling. And then you should go out and grow more, and you should sell that. It hasn't been, we haven't seen the market at these levels and at this good in decades. And based on what we've seen over the history of wool, it won't last forever. Seems like the wool market is all positive and all looking good. It would be great if we could have that similar sort of enthusiasm for the pricing of other commodities. So now on to grains. This week, most of the Mercado team were at the Abares conference in Canberra, and we spoke to a lot of stakeholders within the grains industry. 
and the the talk of the moment was the Indonesian free trade agreement but also the the forthcoming investigation into anti-competitive dumping by Australia it was expected that uh, China would announce the results of their investigation uh, this week or the, the last week and the general consensus is that China will will adopt some form of sanctions against Australia in the form of a deposit with most commentators expecting it to be between that 50 and 60% deposit. So this places a lot of risk on any trader who is exporting barley into China. In effect, what would happen is that, that the trading company would have to supply a deposit, that range 50 to 60%, which they would receive back once that particular cargo had been reviewed. The issue is, well, how long will it take for that review to happen? And how much risk do, does a trader want to have on the table outlaying potentially $8 million in what is a relatively volatile environment at the moment in terms of politics between China and other Western countries? So, in effect, that is, that's put a lot of pressure on, on the barley market. And we've seen barley prices slipping back substantially since the, uh, the start of the year. In combination with that barley investigation from, from China, there's also been a reluctance from domestic consumers to buy any more than they require. So buyers have stepped back from the plate both from the export market but also for the domestic consumers, you know, the pig, dairies and chooks. So I think that's, you know, it will be interesting to see if is a uh, a form of tariff or deposit placed upon Australian barley, what will the impact be? You know, has, has the trade already priced in most of most of the risk you know, with the substantial fall we've seen it, it may already be fairly well priced in but it doesn't it doesn't really bode well uh, for for long-term relations between the two countries another another factor that is coming out at the moment as well in in the market which is one to keep an eye on is just the current basis levels uh, so we have extremely high basis levels which is when we talk about basis, we're talking about the premium over Chicago levels. Those basis levels will, will remain, but only whilst there is a risk to the crop. So if we get into the uh, the growing season and, and things start to look better, then we, we, we will be liable to see these basis levels come back to, to more, more normal levels. So really, like I have seen some projections out there that, you know, Abares have put out their, you know, typical projection. Uh, I think another analyst has put out a projection of 17 million tons. <laughs> the reality is that it's way too early to really have any concrete and accurate forecast on the coming season. We're so far away from from harvest that any forecasts are largely going to be so meaningless and have uh, a large degree of inaccuracy. So I guess really it's a case of. Uh, looking up to the sky and, and hoping for uh, some rainfall. But we just want to be careful that we don't make our planting decisions based upon you know the old crop prices. We have to always take into account that forward curve. And the premiums on offer just now may not be around by the time we actually come to harvest the crop, especially if we uh, have an average crop. Again, this is just you know a short, sharp summary from the guys at Mercado when it comes to the big factors in the market at play at the moment. Uh, we'll run these every now and then alongside our, our conversations. Uh, we've had a lot of good feedback from the the initial podcast and we've got a number of guests who have shown an interest in, in coming on and, and having a yarn with us. 
so we will we will look to put out new podcasts in the long form uh, within the next fortnight. So that's all from the team at Mercado. Uh, if you want to if you want to listen to more of these podcasts and you want to get a notification when they come up, click on subscribe on whichever platform you're currently using for listening to podcasts. And uh, and yeah, we hope to speak to you again in the coming weeks and months.